Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There's a tendency to think that the internet is unstoppable. It's seen as this untouchable force for free speech and international communication. But on Saturday, Iran became a case study for why that certainty is a figment of our imagination. It all started with a hike in fuel prices. The Iranian government announced last Friday that it had plans to increase the price of fuel by at least 50%. In response, Iranians took to the streets in protest. Normally, this is where we would play you audio of those protests. But we can't. Because when the Iranian government saw its citizens organizing in protest, it shut down the internet for practically every single Iranian citizen. And the shutdown persists even now. So today on the show, we're going to explain how shutting down the internet is even possible. What this means for Iranians and how Iran's internet might splinter off, isolating its citizens from the rest of the world. I'm Ariel Dumras. This is Reset. Lily Hay Newman, you're a senior writer at Wired and you cover security. How did the Iranian government actually shut down the internet? So it seems like... First, a lot of Iranians were experiencing slow connections. The type of thing that you might think, oh, you know, why is my connection so slow? This is annoying. Then, over about a 24-hour period, there started to be a precipitous decline in connectivity. And once it went down on Saturday, we haven't seen it come back up since. The protests that prompted the government to shut down the internet, do we know how large they are? My understanding is that the protests are massive and uh, happening in many cities around Iran. But we don't know a ton about what's going on in the country because there's a total information blackout there right now and a full internet outage. So tell me what this shutdown actually looks like. I happen to know a lot of people who have family in Iran. Mm -hmm. If I am somebody living in Canada and I have family there and I try and text somebody there, for instance, or send, you know, an SMS or an iMessage, what happens? As far as I understand, it either won't go through or it'll maybe appear to go through, but it won't reach them. Okay. Uh, The country, as you know, over the past couple of days has been hovering 
at about 5 to 7% of its typical connectivity. Most of that would be for the government. You know, government officials have still been tweeting. You know, there's this whole parallel universe going on, of course. But for the average person, you know, your, your Wi-Fi at your house or at a cafe or Ethernet cable, you know, that you use at your job or whatever, none of that would be successfully providing connectivity. Including cell phones and data plans. And, and right, the wireless carriers and wireless data is also down. And interestingly, the network monitoring firm, connectivity monitoring firm NetBlocks, also saw multiple telecoms uh, and specifically wireless carriers all go down at once. And it seemed that there was sort of a coordination that eventually happened. I mean, it took a while because the thing is the, the Internet is engineered for uptime. You don't want your Internet to be unavailable when you want to use it. So... When people are building networks, they're always building them with reliability in mind. They want as many redundancies and healing mechanisms to be in the Internet as possible. Originally, I think that came from a sort of, you know, decentralized utopian conception that no one should be able to stop the Internet. So basically, you have to circumvent all of these mechanisms that are in place to make sure that this kind of outage doesn't actually happen. Right. They're all there as fail-safes, and you need to engineer around them or defeat them in order to get the Internet to go down. As researchers explained it to me uh, with this Iranian shutdown, which was so far beyond anything the government had done before, was that they were likely grappling with these protective mechanisms and sort of having situations where they would take down a portion of the network and then the network would automatically reroute around that dead portion to keep providing service and then they would have to kind of do a -a whack-a-mole type situation to get it all under control. You you mentioned this whack-a-mole scenario, right? But in reality... It's not the government going around snipping wires, right, in in various instances. Is this the government going around and negotiating with Internet service providers or cell phone plan providers saying, hey, you have to shut this down and we're going to tell you when you're allowed to put it back up? Yes, that that is the scenario. You know, it involves the government coordinating with ISPs, telecoms, infrastructure providers to actually make all of this happen. Uh, Iran has a state-owned ISP, telecommunication company of Iran, but there are also private ISPs, and all of them would kind of need to be in the loop on this. And it's likely that the Iranian government didn't face a ton of resistance asking for these things. So the government has, in effect, taken the country offline over the weekend. What's the goal here? Often when governments do things like this, the goal is to keep information from spreading, keep people from organizing, maybe have fewer people going out to protest because they don't know what's happening when or something like that, uh, or just kind of disrupt daily life. Taking a step back, just for context, what is the Internet like in Iran? Is it a well-connected place? Yeah, it is a well-connected place. And... 
a lot of times when governments uh, around the world cause mass disruptions like this, it's happening in smaller countries, for example, Ethiopia, where the proliferation is a little bit less and maybe all the internet connectivity in that country is coming from one undersea cable or one global network node, these giant, uh, you know, it's like your home router on steroids, you know, this, <laughs> but uh, the one point of entry for mm-hmm. all the connectivity. And so maybe they're in, in countries under this model, maybe there's only the state-run uh, internet service provider, or there's a state-run provider and some other private ones or a mix, but they're all getting their connectivity from the same place. So in a lot of uh, examples we've seen, you can kind of cut off the internet to the whole country at the source, you know, just go to that cable or that node. and Like literally just like snip one single cable. Right. And snip probably is the <laughs> wrong term, but like huge, shut it off. Huge, huge uh, garden shears. <laughs> no, yeah, right. But there's sort of a conceptually you can imagine there's uh, a place to look. Okay. But that's not how the internet uh, is set up in a lot of other places, including Iran, when there are more entry points, because it's much more decentralized where the connection is coming in. Has the Iranian government done this before? The Iranian government has definitely toyed with sort of more selective Internet outages or something that a lot of governments have been playing with, which is service-specific outages where they'll do sort of network-level filtering so that you just can't access a certain chat app or a certain social network, things like that. But all of those things are really different from what's going on right now, which is pretty total blackout in and out. So this is unprecedented for the country. Yeah, to my knowledge, for it to be so complete, uh, yeah, is, is pretty unusual. Okay, so the internet as we know it has been shut down for around 95% of the country's more than 80 million citizens. And the hope is that the people of Iran will regain access to the internet soon. And that could happen anytime. But there's this thing that the government has been working on that indicates that it might actually have other plans. Lily mentioned that the government is building something called an intranet. So I asked her to explain They have been developing something called the National Information Network. It's been kind of a concerted effort. And an intranet is a network. We would generally think of it as a network within an organization. You and I could build an intranet here in the studio and just share our secrets right here. And, you know, and no one else could, you know, be on our intranet. Uh, And it could be very fancy and exclusive. But also we ourselves couldn't access it outside the room unless we kept building it out the way the Internet has been built out. So Iran has been developing uh, – the concept is to develop a sort of massive intranet that can be for the entire country. So it's bigger than just us in the studio but smaller than the world. And also means that people outside of Iran right. can't necessarily access it. Right. And it gives the the concept is to give the Iranian regime much more control over what content is accessible from this intranet, which would 
be the internet to people in Iran. Like it's the thing they would be connecting to from their devices. And, you know, they can control what services people can access so that everything is a lot more controlled and you sort of can't go outside the walled garden. So what does the internet shutdown mean for Iran? What happens next? You know, the internet touches everything at this point. Though it's hard to imagine, there's also potentially a kind of camaraderie that could come out of it, you know, that the citizens are sort of together in this total blackout. And perhaps it could fuel even more people in the streets, even more people going outside and saying, this is the only way I can get information is to go talk to my neighbors downstairs and, you know, go see what's happening. And, oh, you know, while they're going to a protest, let's go with them, you know, like sort of a unifying force. Yeah, that is a possibility. There's definitely can be unintended consequences from uh, an oppressive government's perspective of doing a total blackout like this because just a lot of things grind to a halt. And so everyone's kind of standing around saying, well, I don't I can't really go to work today. So let's see what's happening. You know, right. let's let me go talk to people. Let's get out in the streets. Yeah. Lily Hay Newman is a senior writer at Wired. Lily, thank you. Thanks for having me. If the Iranian government can do this in a matter of days and make it stick for close to a week, you got to wonder how long this could last or what's coming next for a country determined to tighten its control over its citizens. Based on what little we know about what's going on in Iran right now, it's not looking good. That's after the break. So the Internet's out in Iran, and that means reporting on what's going on within the country is a lot harder. It's actually in these moments that I personally realize how screwed journalists around the world would be without the web. But there are some people out there who devote themselves to keeping track of these kinds of shutdowns, and they are a little bit more accustomed to navigating these communication obstacles and interpreting them. One of those people is Alp Toker, the executive director of NetBlocks, an NGO that monitors the governance of the Internet. Hello. Hi, Alp. He's based in London, and I asked him if he's seen an Internet shutdown like this before. Well, in short, we haven't. It's been extraordinary. It's, It's been a complex shutdown. It's had many facets to it. And it's also infected a lot of people at a time of crisis. In, in various ways, it's just unique. So we know that this shutdown was actually sort of gradual, right? That the government initially just slowed down the internet for, for tons of people um, and then actually spent 24 hours just like systematically trying to, to shut down the internet. What does that tell us about how the government is viewing these protests, right? Because this was a response to the protests. Well, it stands to reason that Uh, the authorities are worried, uh, given how extreme this measure is. It's not something that Iran does. This is about uh, severing connectivity at the core. Remember that intranet that Lily mentioned? 
Well, I asked Alp if there's a link between that project and the protests, and his answer surprised me. This is a developing situation, so I want to be clear here that while other news organizations have reported on what Alp is about to say, it's still really hard to know exactly what's going on in Iran. So researchers knew that some kind of uh, internet, some kind of uh, national internet was coming, but uh, there was no clear timeline. Would that be next year? Would it be a decade from now? And um, what wasn't expected was that we might start seeing signs of that um, during an internet shutdown that's targeting protests. Is that what we're seeing right now? Are we actually seeing signs of it being booted up? All indications are that the system has been booted up. And uh, that's what we okay. see from the data, from the reports, from um, from all sources. What's happened is first the shutdown, but then you've got this network coming back online but without the rest of the world there. So you've got a parallel internet being formed in front of our eyes where the people want to reach out, but they can't. This feels like big news, right? That that Iran's internet is essentially, or, or its network, its mode of communication, what we think of as the internet is essentially changing completely. That's what you're telling me, right? Right, because uh, now you've got to ask, which is the real internet? What if you have one of these or two of these? Is it the one inside Iran? Is it the one outside What if Russia also does the same thing? Russia's had some plans to do a sovereign internet. And then you start developing parallel internets and you lose this global connectivity, this this achievement of humanity, uh, which has brought good. And it's also brought some perhaps less desirable things to the world. But um, that's something we've all taken for granted until now. And it looks like that's changing. Do you think the government planned things this way? You know, was this premeditated? It's difficult to um, believe that this could be orchestrated. These protests were organic. Uh, they were caused by a specific trigger as the fuel prices rose. Uh, okay. A very cynical look at it might say that there was some planning. But honestly, it looks like the internet was cut and then there was the realization that this is not good for the economy. This is not good for... Uh, the situation of the country. And there was this uh, internet that was being developed, and it looks like that might have been switched ahead of schedule. It might have been enabled uh, at scale. So really, it it remains to be seen how uh, and why this has happened now. It's happened. Has this happened before in a country? Is there a country that has this kind of an intranet in operation countrywide? The only similar high-profile country that has a system like this is uh, North Korea. Not much is known about the uh, network that North Korea operates, but uh, it doesn't have many users. It's specifically for uh, those privileged who can access this kind of network. And it isn't connected to the global internet. Because it's so isolated, uh, it's difficult to say how similar it is to what's happening now. But uh, you can look at Russia, which has been making plans for it, but hasn't activated this kind of system on a national scale. Have other countries in other parts of the world been affected by a government-controlled internet shutdown and and communications blackout like this before? A recent case is Iraq that has been cut off. First they switch off social media, then they switch off uh, the internet completely. And uh, the human rights organizations are still stumped as to how many people have lost their lives. It's created an information black hole. Um, that that it's going to take years and there may not be an answer for. So that's just one example. Is there ever an instance where shutting down the internet is acceptable? 
Back in April, when Sri Lanka suffered some terrorist attacks, the government decided to shut down the internet um, to stop the spread of misinformation. And actually, the country got a lot of praise for that. So I'm wondering, is it ever okay to do this kind of thing and shut down the internet? We've been tracking a lot of internet shutdowns. We shut down for a lot of different reasons around the world. And we always take governments on good faith to begin with. We try to see what they've done, um, whether uh, there might be a justification. But to be honest, in each case, it's caused more harm uh, than any problem it's, it's, it's aimed to solve. If it's a protest or even a riot, uh, switching off the internet makes people more angry. Okay, let's look at a situation like Sri Lanka. Now, there you have these devastating terror attacks, massive loss of life. And uh, in the aftermath, uh, there are disputes. Groups start blaming each other. And authorities introduce a blackout. They say it will prevent these attacks. They say it will stop these attacks. The problem is, there's no evidence at all that it actually stops these attacks. Because uh, at the end of the day, people still know where to go if they want to attack a group, a minority. The problem is, it just stops the reporting. So nobody knows that it's happening. And the problem is, when you need it, when that crisis is really there, when people are dying, then you've already lost the recourse you have. Before we set up netblocks, there were efforts to track internet shutdowns by hand or using various um, data sources, but a lot of this was missing. Uh, the information about how long something has lasted, uh, what kind of disruption it's been. The truth is we don't know. We read stories, we, we read claims in, in archives that there was an internet cut, but that could have affected one city, it could have affected one street, and because that data wasn't there, uh, that is lost uh, to history. Because you'd think if a country is shut down, a whole country, the world mm -hmm. would know. But by its right. nature, there's no way to record it. You don't know if your neighbor is offline. You don't know if the next city is, is offline. Uh, you're just out of information. This is actually the situation of there, if there's a tree in the forest that falls and nobody's around to hear it. Does it make a sound? Absolutely. This is the technical implementation of the falling tree in the woods. Alp Toker is the executive director of the NetBlocks Internet Observatory. Alp, thank you so much. Thank you. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Dimros. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. And you can reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. Reset comes out three times a week, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. So if you haven't already, subscribe to Reset on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. We'll be back on Sunday. Later, nerds. <laughs>